This is the No Swear Gamer from YouTube and the Atari 1700 Game by Game podcast, and you are listening to the podcasting pride of the Smoky Mountains, the Two Dudes in a Nest, with your hosts, Dude Michael and Dude Justin. Hey, Justin. What's up, man? Uh, not too much, just uh, realizing that I'm... Every week I'm out of practice as far as performing yeah. our little intro. Uh, Third time's a charm tonight. Yeah, take three tonight. Uh, and, you know, right. I really like to screw it up most often whenever we have a guest on, which we do tonight. Right, Welcome. so it looks real professional. Yeah, real right. professional. Uh, <laughs> thanks for coming on for this uh, once-in-a-lifetime professional podcast. Matt Houston. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks yeah. Yeah, we, uh, thanks for coming. We had you on, um, let's see, what, you made us look bad or made us feel bad whenever we covered Mighty Final Fight, I think. Because I believe yeah, it was, it was Final Fight. Yeah, Justin and I both kind of liked it or something, or maybe we were liking it too much and you kind of brought us back down to earth, if I recall, something like that. Yeah, I have yeah. a, yeah, I feel like the opposite. I feel like I was a bit of a downer that episode. Well, we were almost super happy and I was just dunking on it. We evened out, so it works. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but this this episode we're going to talk about Adventures of Lolo, as well as Matt's new game, Witch and Wiz. And um, spoilers, I may have enjoyed Witch and Wiz a little too much. So if I if I if I slack off in the Lolo section, apologies. But um, sounds good yeah. to me. Yeah, so just right off the top, Matt. Since we'll talk about your game in the second half of the episode. Um, but if you don't care, before we get digging into Lolo, can you give us like a little elevator pitch for your game? Yeah, sure. Uh, so Witch and Wiz is a 2D uh, platformer puzzle game. It's based on a game called Catrap for a uh, bunch of systems, but maybe most famously the Game Boy. Um, so it's kind of like a spiritual successor to that if you've ever played it, but um, similar to kind of Boulder Dash maybe even Dig Dug to an extent, but essentially a 2D game. You're going left and right, up and down, up ladders, pushing blocks, stuff like that. Not unlike Lolo, actually. And uh, your goal essentially is to kill all the enemies on the screen by jumping on them, and that's how you complete a puzzle. And obviously it's complicated by the fact that blocks get in your way and ladders are in the wrong spot, stuff like that. And then on top of that, every... 10 levels or so, I introduce a new mechanic and throw out the old one. So, for example, way through the game, you gain the ability to flip gravity. So then puzzles will happen on the ceiling and on the floor and back and forth. So it's kind of the general gist of it. Yeah, that sounds... That's good. You explained it well. It's almost like you made it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so if, <laughs> if, uh, if that interests you, be sure to stick around for the second half of the episode because we're to talk about that game. Um, but if you don't want to stick around and listen to it, you just want to go get it right now, based on that description, where can they get it, Matt? Um, that's, yeah, actually, I should mention, too, it's an NES game. It's, yes. It's uh, an actual NES game. Uh, it was on limited run but the uh, for the physical version, but that's over now. So the only way to get it now is on itch.io. So if you search for Witch and Wiz there, you can also play it for free on piepacker.com. If you go to witchandwiz.com, uh, all the links are there, and that's witches and whiz, as in like witches and wizards, and uh, 
and in and in as in uh, in the letter N. Yeah, I know. As I'm saying this, I'm realizing this is like terrible way to name a game. (laughs) No, I like it. I like (laughs) it. Yeah, I think it's cool. I mean, if I'm going to put it, we almost put uh, two dudes in an S, but then I got a little. That's kind of hard to pronounce. So, yeah. All right. Yeah, I got a tangent about that. So my main email that I use, like that's not work email related. Well, even in my work email too, has the number one in it. And so I have to like always say one as in the number. And it's just always like, but it, you know, it's just aggravating. And it also, also comes, if I'm writing it down, it comes after the last letter in my last name. So if I'm writing it, it's, you know, last name's Harold, so it ends in two L's, and then I have to make a one after that. And how do I distinguish it? Because typically, you know, you just draw, draw a one as just, you know, straight line, but I also draw, draw L's. So I have to, like, draw the one as in, like, a numerical one, you know, yeah. with the little flag on the top and the bottom so that you get it. But Well, that's super like annoying. A, this is like a George Costanza-level complaint. Yeah, I know. I need to. I really need to change the name to like a five or something. <laughs> yeah, just well, number. Somebody wasn't thinking well, again, just a number because out. somebody's already got the one without the number. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's the problem. That, see, it's probably that star football player that used to play for UT. That's true. Although I don't think he has the same middle initial, and mine has the middle initials. So. Oh, okay. So there's another uh, Justin yeah. M. Harrow out there somewhere. It is. There is. Jerk. Or it could be one of those situations where they think I'm going to be famous one day, so they bought that email <laughs> right. and want me to buy it back from. <laughs> you know, like how people buy websites like, say, you know, Steven Stegall, Steven Stegall, you know, dot com. Trying yeah. to get Steven Stegall to buy it. Right. I think we just, re- we just may have doxed you, actually, on the show. Hopefully not. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. That's okay. It'll give me a reason to delete that email and restart, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. One of the email uh, aliases that I have, sorry that we're going off on this gigantic tangent. Tangent alert. But uh, one of the ones that I have, uh, you would be proud of, uh, because you know my initials are MDK, right? My, my middle name is David, so mm-hmm. if I, sometimes I can put an MD at the end, and it's like, oh, he's a doctor, you know? <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> They just—they they, oh, they don't realize it's my initials. They just think he's a doctor. That also sounds like a George Costanza conniving <laughs> yeah, thing to does. do. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, yeah, we'll talk about Lolo, uh, and then we'll talk about Witch and Wiz. Speaking of Witch and Wiz, one more thing: Matt was so kind as to give us a few extra codes. So stick around and listen. We're going to ask Matt what his game of the year was for 2021. And the first, I think, three or three, I can't remember if we got three or five codes, but the first, like, three to five people that reply to the episode post or send us an email or whatever, uh, the first few people that do that will get a free copy of Witch and Wiz. So be sure to listen. It'll be somewhere in the middle of the podcast. But we'll we'll make an announcement. I'll maybe do a tangent alert button or something so you can find it. All right, Justin, do you have any tidbits and or trivia for... Adventures of Lolo. Now it's time for Justin's historical tidbits and trivia. Time to get out your D-pad notepads because you're about to get schooled by the doctor. All right. So 
of course, since we have a guest, I have a quiz game to uh, nice entertain everyone with. Yes, uh, I don't so remember. My, I don't know what's our record. I don't know Matt if we did it. I got swept I, last time. It was okay. Uh, okay. Okay. All right. I just, so my this, main goal is just to get on the board tonight. All right. I I think you'll be able to do it. Um. Now, uh, I will say, just to remind, I'm sure, Matt, you remember the rules, but I'll just remind the listeners at home that want to play along. Maybe they want to play along. Uh, if you, uh, So I'm going to read a question. Each question has four multiple choice que- answers. When you feel like you know the answer to the question, you can buzz in by saying your name. If you buzz in before you hear the all four answer choices, you do not get the rest of the answer choices. You have to answer from that point. And, uh, if, yeah, that's pretty much it. There's so, um, uh, listeners out there, if you're playing along, you'll have to yell really loud and into the past. So like right. turn around, turn around, do a 180 and yell really loud yeah. your name and maybe just don't hear you. You know what we should do? You know what we should do? We should have the listeners email us and we'll put it in a bit. You remember Bozo the Clown had the grand prize game? Yeah. You know, they threw the, the little balls in the buckets to win prizes. Remember how they used to, like, spin the little thing and they had envelopes in it? And it's like people that they were playing for at home. Oh, yeah. They okay. got the same prizes, if, you know. The, the per- we'll do that. Except you won't win any prizes. you just be getting played. You know, we'll just be playing for you at home. Well, that's much worse. <laughs> yeah. That's, exactly. That's, that's nothing the, like Bozo. It's the same. It's the same. <laughs> It's the same, but, but worse. worse. <laughs> <laughs> We're below Bozo the Clown at this point. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So five questions. Uh, if this game ends in a tie, we'll go to a tie-breaking potato sack race to be performed at a later date. Okay. All right. First question. This game is developed by the company Howl. The symbol for this company is what animal incubating eggs? Is it A, an owl? Matt? Dog. It is a dog. Matt gets on the board right off the bat. He doesn't even need the answer choices. I actually did not know that. I actually wasn't totally sure. Because I thought it was a dog, but then you started talking about incubating eggs. I'm looking this up. Yeah, It's a a weenie dog. it's It's a wiener dog. They have it's like uh, three or four eggs there. It was not the original symbol; it was created later. But uh, yeah, so huh. it's a dog laying on some eggs. Yeah, the symbol I remember, like from the NES games, was like the word "how." Like it just it, says like, like how running yeah. really. It, it looks like how. it's running really fast or something. It's a, right, it's some streaks <laughs> like right. an IBM logo or something like. Yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right, so this game features characters Lolo and Lala. But, and those two characters did make appearances in what other gaming series? Is it A, Mario, B, Kirby, C, SimCity, or D, Pokemon? Mike. Mike? I'm going to take a stab and say Kirby because that's also a Howl game. It was Kirby. So they did feature in uh, the Kirby games series as well as guests. Kind of look so like, you look got like tied up at one to one. That's true. They're they're close. You can see the the resemblance. Maybe they're related. 
Um, so this game was a port of a series that was released in Japan. What was the name of that series? Is it A, The Misadventures of Layla, B, Eggerland, C, Garden of Eden, or D, Roundabout? Matt. Matt? Uh, C. C, Garden of Eden is incorrect. Mm. Mike? I'm going to guess the, I'm going to guess the yes hit roundabout. It is not the yes hit roundabout. So it goes back to Matt. We got the, the, the misadventures. Mis- yeah. Uh, it's not the misadventures. So nobody gets this one. Oh, um, it was Eggerland. What kind uh, of a name? That's not even a name. It's That's Eggerland. Not- yeah. Um, but who, who, who kidnaps? Lala in the game, right? Oh, I don't know if it's Lala or Layla. I think it's Lala. It's King Egger. Okay. Oh, you know. Uh, that's fair. I, that that should attention. have been a gimme question then, right? Yeah. All right. So we're still tied one to one. And this is a follow-up question to the last. And that is, the Eggerland series in Japan was originally released on what system? Is it A, Famicom? B, MSX, C, Sega Mega Drive, or D, Apple Computers? Nah, Matt. Matt? Uh, MSX. That is correct. It is MSX. Oh, oh no. And I know that wasn't a guess either. I could totally tell you knew that one <laughs> right off the top. <laughs> All right. So, Matt, is that two to one? Mike's got to get the last one here. To save his uh, to save his undefeated streak against Matt. Okay. All right. Question five. Why was Hal named Hal? Was it A, it was the name of one of the gra- founder's grandfather. B, it stood for highly advanced logic. C, each letter is one letter above IBM. Matt, Matt. Or D, Matt. IBM one. Yep, that is correct. Really? It was named that because each letter was one letter above IBM. So we were just talking about how it looked like an IBM logo too. There's there's a bunch of thieves, this this how. (laughs) (laughs) This changes everything. All right, well Matt wins. And uh, we don't know who you were playing for home playing for at home uh, this week, but they didn't win anything. Um, but the pride of knowing that they won. Uh, but anyway. I, I think that uh, since the, since it's kind of like a slap in the face whenever you win for somebody, I think Nick Stevens won this week. Yep, that's right. Nick Stevens. Perennial winner of this game. Um, all right. Wait, no, so, wait, I take that back. No, because that means he beat me. So forget that. It's not Nick Stevens. We'll give it to Gabe. <laughs> Gabe, congratulations. You won. <laughs> Oh. Mike, do you have a story for how you came across the adventures of Lolo? Now it's time for the thrill of 8-bit discovery with Michael's quest to find the cart. Yeah, so I've got a pretty interesting story about this one. Um, I know my stories are always very interesting, but this one's extra right. special interesting. Um, so, you know, travel back in time to when I was younger, you know, like... Uh, dawn of time ish, 
and I was, you know, we were hanging out in the Garden of Eden, and, and like this snake comes up to me. He's like, "Hey, um, don't worry about this uh, garden. You can eat whatever you want. And uh, if you if you go over to that tree, there's there's some NES games in it." So I was like, "Okay, cool." So I just kind of moseyed my way over to that tree, and lo and behold, Lolo was hanging from the tree, and I grabbed it, and it's been with me ever since. So you could say it was essentially the first NES game I ever got. Maybe the first ever NES game ever in existence. Mm. Cricket. Fascinating. <laughs> 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 uh, we need, I, we need a, a sound clip of uh, somebody saying, like, worst story ever. <laughs> yeah. I, I could play that after everyone. Uh, no, that, that, was, that was a dumb story. Um, but the real story is, I think I actually picked this one up just... Um, Probably it. This one was kind of pretty, <clears throat> pretty common, so I either got—I don't remember exactly—but I either got this one at the flea market back in the day, the Sweetwater Flea Market, or maybe uh, at the closing of Pick a Flick or one of the rent, rental stores when they started closing down, selling off some of their stuff. Yeah, I've had yeah. this. I've, I've had Lolo for a long time because, it was, like I said, it was pretty common, pretty cheap, especially back when I got it. It was like in the fifty cent bin. Yeah, pretty common. It's also on the Switch, like NES library, which is how I actually played it the past, you know, few weeks that we've been preparing for this podcast. Yeah, is, uh, I, mean, I just played that, it on the on the Switch. That's how I library. played it too. Even though I've got it, that's, most of the time, if it's in the Switch library or something like that, um, even if I've got the cartridge, it's usually so much work to put the actual <laughs> actual cartridge. I know. Guy on the NES podcast is too lazy to put it, put the <laughs> NES cart in his system and play it. But uh, nine times out of ten, I'll either play it on Switch or if I haven't have it, uh, I'll just pop it in the retro buy and play it in emula- emulation style or something. Unless it's a fast Twitch yeah, game or something. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, found the rewind is- feature too. Like, really helped with this game for me. Yeah, so many like micro mistakes you can make. Like you just don't see something, you get killed, and you have to like do the whole lead up to that. It takes ten minutes, right? If you can just rewind thirty seconds, it's it's huge. Yeah, that is a huge thing Uh, that that makes this game a way better. And uh, you know what? That's also a feature in Witch and Wiz. Sorry, yeah, there you go. Promo for you. Anyways, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, sales have just skyrocketed. Yeah, but no, you're right. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that in the game discussion. But um, it's a it's a puzzle game that you can easily make a mistake in. So that's true. On playing it on Switch, yeah. being able to rewind is pretty handy. Uh, right. Anyways, did you how did you did you guys have a copy of this? Did you did you get it anyway, Justin? I assume you either you're lazy like me or you don't have a copy. Uh, this is one that uh, I do actually have a copy of. Oh, so. Cool. Um, I do have a, I don't even, I don't have a story because I don't remember. Uh, it's just one that. Did you pull um, this one out of the junk box? Because I remember either I put a copy in or I remember somebody putting a copy in the junk box a few years I ago. I don't think so. Okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say I know for sure that it wasn't where I got it, but I, I think I may have got this from the, uh, uh, you remember the old shady, shady video game store? Uh, so, I think it's probably where I, I think that's where I got this one. Nah. Okay. Cool. What about you, so, Matt? You got any stories how you acquired this game, or do you have it? I, I don't actually own it. I was surprised. I thought I did. <laughs> I own the third one. 
yeah, I don't own this for whatever reason, but yeah, it's super common. I probably pick it up if I ever see it, but I'm not gonna. It's one of those games that like I can't really bring myself to like go on eBay yeah. or something and buy it. It's like you know you're gonna see it a million times, right? Exactly. Um, so, and it's kind of yeah, kinda, yeah it's kind of one of those games too. Like you said, you have low, you have the third one. If you have two or three, um, yeah, spoilers for future episodes of the show, but they're kind of improved versions of the first one. It's kind of like the same game almost, but slightly yep. better. Yeah. So there's really no point in having the first one unless you just run out of. If you get bored with two or three, maybe. Yeah, it's almost like an expansion pack for the right. the later ones. Cool. All right. Well. uh, I'm game to start talking about the game, if you guys are. See what you did there. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate Time that. Time to dig in to some good old-fashioned game discussion. So, um, I don't want to waste too much time giving away uh, copies of Witch and Wiz, Matt. Um, have you had time to think about what your, favorite, your game of the year for 2021 is? Tangent alert. I think so. I got a good one. One that I... Sorry, <laughs> I was trying to pick start talking. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, got a real low bar for that tangent. <laughs> I knew it was coming. Just say the name of the game and move on. No, no, um, no, 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 no. I don't want. To, I do. <laughs> no, the entire thing is a tangent. Things, we've got things. <laughs> no, I was. I was not trying to rush you. Please, no, please. I, I want some elaboration on it. Yeah, I'm going to go with a game called Anguna, Scourge of the Goblin King. Have you guys heard of that? Mm, I don't think I have, actually. It's another homebrew game. Um, You may have to spell it for me. uh, A-N-G-U-N-A. You search for Anguna, you'll find it. Um, It's a really cool, it's kind of a Zelda-like, the NES, another homebrew game. Um, Yeah, I just had a blast playing it with my kids. Came with... uh, Poster map and uh, like a, oh wait, I think I, I think I've heard about this one actually. It, was, it had a pretty big Kickstarter. Uh, I don't know how long ago it was, but it just shipped a couple months ago, I think. Um, yeah, I had a blast playing it. Um, my kids, they had the map and the manual while I was kind of navigating around, and they were telling me where to go and stuff. Yeah, it was, it was super fun. That's blast. Cool. So that's cool. That's probably the most memorable one of the year for me, or at least recently. So yeah, Inguna. Anguna. All right, cool. Uh, so, right. listener, if you want a copy of Witch and Wiz, you just be one of the first few to uh, send us a message in whatever way you want to. Um, preferably email or just comment on the post that we put up. Commenting on the post that we put up is probably the easiest one. That way we can have it all in one place. But yeah, just send us a message. Let us know. That also means... I guess that the uh, if you're a Patreon donor, you get first dibs. If you, if that's you right. That sort of thing. So that's a little added bonus for you guys. Um, but yeah, cool. Anguna. Uh, I am curious just to continue down the path of tangents. So your kids are helping you by they have the manual and like some guides and stuff. How old are your kids? Uh, my oldest is seven, and my youngest is four. Okay, I'm waiting on the day that I can, you know, make my yeah. kids make my kids work for me. Uh, so. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the best one we did, we did something similar for Metroid, like Metroid NES, which, as you know, is pretty, pretty difficult game to kind of just do blindly, so we got a guide for that, 
and they were kind of reading through that and telling me where to go. And yeah, it was, it was awesome. I think the next game I work on may be based on that idea, like a kind of asymmetrical co-op game. Oh, that's one, interesting. Like a team teamwork yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure yet, but, hmm. but yeah, how old's your kids? Um, mine's two, so that'll be a while for him. I'm yeah. just curious. I was just curious when he was. Yeah. Right now, all we do is uh, he, you know, just he's a wild two year old. He just basically just runs and tackles me all the time. That sort of thing. <laughs> nice. It's fun yeah. too. Throws trucks at me. You know, whatever. Not as fun. Yeah. You know, you you need to update the podcast listeners. Let's just keep the tangent thing going and uh, update podcast listeners on the uh, body train. Oh yeah, the potty train. Uh, yeah, it's going pretty smooth. Um, he is uh, he's pretty well trained now. He hates it. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, I mean, he absolutely hates it. But he he knows he's not supposed to go anywhere but in the potty, right? So he'll go. It's yeah. just he's like he says he'll say oh pee pee like oh I need to go pee pee and we're like okay cool let's go to the bathroom we'll help you and he goes no no. <laughs> like not that he doesn't want us to help That's him but he just does not want to go and but he, he'll go he just gets, he's just he's just frustrated the whole time <laughs> which is uh, yeah it's fine it makes us frustrated too but good news is he's pretty much pie trained so there you go oh, good. Up, update listen but that reminds me um, Justin and Matt both don't let me forget I got an update from Rob and Robbie not Rob and Ryan and Robbie that uh uh-huh. They forgot to include some stuff in last episode. Uh namely okay. namely uh like mentioning some things that probably got them in trouble with their wives. So uh they sent me a <laughs> they, <laughs> they sent me a voicemail to play on the show. So don't let me forget, we'll play that here in a little okay. bit. Okay. Uh I don't want All them right. to get I don't want them to be in trouble. So Right. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about uh, let's talk about uh, Adventures of Lolo. Um, what I like to do, and what Justin likes to do to get started, is uh, go to the manual. So, listener, if you have a copy, if you'll turn to page three, we'll get started here. Um, I'm going to skip the usual rigmarole of like, don't touch the terminals, don't blow on it, don't submerge it in water. We don't need to know all that stuff. We'll skip yeah, we right got this, it at this point. Yeah, I'm gonna skip right to the story. We're 170 episodes in now. I think we get that. You're not supposed to do those things. Right. All right. To save the country of Eden from the great devil's destruction, the king of Eden dispatched Princess Lala to seek help. Prince Lolo was requested to accompany Lala back to Eden. On the way back, the great devil kidnapped Lala right in front of Lolo. To save Eden and rescue Lala, Prince Lolo went to the Devil's Haunted Castle. Lolo is not blessed with strength or agility, but possesses great courage, high IQ, and a lot of patience. Can Lolo save Lala after solving an almost endless series of mazes? I don't know. It's a good thing um, that's the story. That's it. I guess they're brother and sister. I didn't realize that. Um, should have. Yeah, I thought they were lovers. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> Maybe yeah, it could awkward. be. Maybe it still could be. Uh, it's kind of like what was it? Uh, the the uh, Star Wars, the first Star Wars, well, the Episode Four, where uh, 
you know, there's like that awkward moment where Luke and, and Layla kind of almost kiss, and then you find out later they're brother and sister. Yeah. I think, wasn't that like retroactive brother and sister? Because you didn't find that out in like the other movies. It was, but still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I'm with you. It's a, still a little uh, little awkward. Yeah. Um, it's You know, it's a good thing. So Lolo, he has no strength or agility. But he's got great courage and high IQ. It's a good thing that this guy didn't protect his castle with just like big, strong MMA fighters or something, right? <laughs> Instead, he protect he protects his <laughs> castle with mazes. It's convenient, right? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so. what are the chances? He probably <laughs> thought he really outsmarted that king. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. That's the manual's pretty. Um, Pretty much your standard fare, but it's pretty, it's it's good and detailed. Uh, it gives you some some good info about the characters and power ups and uh, environmental things like has environmental hazards and how how to get past them. It's it's a good manual to know to have with you when you're playing the game. Actually, it's not one of those yeah two page manuals that uh, doesn't tell you much information. I kind of like this manual. It's also right. not too long, so it's nice. But we don't need to spend a lot of time on the manual. We'll keep it open. So if we need to reference some of the characters or or environmental things, but uh, yeah. So do you both have you both have played the game uh, in the past as well as today? I assume. What were you, do you have any memories or thoughts of the game from when you were younger? Did you play it when you were younger? Um, I th- I'm pretty sure I did play it when I'm younger. I, I remember it. I think I liked it. Like, which would be. Like abnormal for a young child to like a puzzle game, I think. But yeah, it stuck with me enough that I remember. I don't remember loving it or anything. It was just one of those games I remember seeing here and there, and it was pretty good. But it gets pretty challenging pretty quick for a child. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the same. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I I remember renting it from from Pick a Flag more than once, which is unusual. Um, I think it's just I think I was just attracted to the style of the game, like as a, as a kid, because it's, it's the graph, you know, we'll talk about the graphics a little bit later, but the graphics are pretty good. It's got kind of a, it's got a story that kind of catches you at the beginning. Um, the gameplay early on is, is kind of interesting. So before it gets too difficult, not that it doesn't stay interesting, but for, to, from a child's perspective, right. It's kind of, it's different enough to where, you know, it was kind of, it, it caught my attention several times. Like I, I thought, well, maybe I'll give it another shot. Yeah. Uh, this is, I did not play this game as a kid. Um, and I actually, I remember, I remember when I went this game up, actually, it was at the uh, shady um, video game store because I remember I was talking to a uh, classmate of mine in med school that, about the podcast, and they mentioned that this was their favorite game, and was wondering when uh, we were going to cover this game. And I'm sure they've stopped listening to this podcast at this point. <laughs> we took so, too long, you know. Sorry, um, but and I went and picked this game up shortly after uh, at at that door that was close to where I lived by, and. Uh, I remember thinking, I guess I didn't really do much research on it. You know, it was kind of like they told me about it. 
they didn't really tell me much about the game. And then like, I saw the box art and I was like, Oh, it's like, I, for some reason I thought it was like a platformer because from the box art just from, and then I put it in and remember, and it was like this puzzle game that is extremely frustrating. Like, like, like you said, Matt, like pretty quickly. And it was like, what in the world? Whose favorite game was this as a kid? Um, but yeah, uh, so that was my uh, first experience. Was actually as an adult. It's actually a really fun game. Um, but I, I can imagine that if I was a kid, this would be just extraordinarily frustrating. Yeah, and as a kid, I don't know about you guys, but uh, unless it was a game I bought and had to and had to stew on for a long time. Uh, I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't look at the manual. Uh, oftentimes, rental stores didn't even give you the manual, right? So, right. Uh, the manual would have really helped because it kind of tells you some of the things that you can do and what you can do and how you're supposed to accomplish certain tasks. But yeah, just trying to if you just try to sit down and figure this game out without reading anything about it, like we would have done back in the day, uh, it, it's pretty tricky just to figure out certain aspects of it like what do the hearts do what's this power gauge when mm-hmm. do i when do i when do i get the little fireball when do i not that sort of thing it's like it's kind of confusing right no it definitely is um yeah so i don't know uh, my thoughts though now i mean i like you said justin it's actually i find it very uh, very entertaining it's it's um it's quite challenging um the the levels do get pretty complicated pretty quick, and it's, it moves at a fast pace too. Like the, you have to figure out how to do the puzzle, but then you act, not only do you have to figure it out, you have to also execute it. And there's certain things that you have to do very quickly at times, and or at least for, I, that's the only way I could figure out how to do it was to just go at it and try to do it very quickly. Um, yeah, yeah, so, it's uh, you're almost guaranteed to not get it right the first time. Right? Really, even the first five times, like you really have to just kind of set and stew on the puzzle for a while, and uh, before you can really figure out kind of what to do, yeah. And it's got the like, uh, mentioned it, Michael mentioned, I think it has like some real time elements to it where you can't always sit and stew, like you can before you Mm -hmm. actually start. As soon as you start Mm -hmm. moving, some of the enemies are chasing you down blocking your exits there's like a lot of different layers to it that yeah keeps it quite challenging beyond kind of a standard puzzle game where you can kind of just look and and ahead everything you have to kind of try things out in real time yeah it's really fresh yeah it's 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 actually super unique and refreshing for the time too like i know nowadays we've got plenty of other games that have kind of milked this um formula of like a top-down platformer puzzle game, right? But I can remember mm-hmm. thinking that this was unlike anything else that I had played back back in the day when I was playing it. Uh, and of course, it's partially because my, I had a narrow field of view, right? I had what was available at Pick a Flick and uh, what was the other place in town? And we had the movie gallery and then we had, uh, yeah. we, we had the cupboard, which the I was trailer. never... Yeah. Oh, the trailer! I forgot about the trailer <clears> across, <throat> across the bridge. bridge. Yeah. Oh, I love that place. They had the best games. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah they did. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Never mind. I forgot about the trailer. Yeah. But, anyways, I, yeah, yeah. obviously, I had only a select few games that I could choose from back in the day. So it's, it's partially that and partially 
the fact that in 1989, not very many people were doing this kind of thing. So, yeah, I thought it was a it's super unique, and it's still kind of unique even today. There's not a ton of games, um, at least not in the popular opinion, that are like Lolo, right? Yeah, and I think um, it does a couple things that I, you don't see in many games, like the real time mixed with the turn base, but also like every puzzle you kind of touched on it has three stages. There's the get all the hearts, which seems like kind of the core puzzle. Then you realize it's not just about getting all the hearts. You have to get all the hearts and then get to the treasure chest, mm-hmm. which is a puzzle in itself because you have to leave yourself a path because certain enemies activate after you get all the hearts. Other enemies are active from the start. Mm-hmm. And then even then, once you get the treasure chest, it kind of seems like the puzzle's over, but there's an additional layer on top of that, which is you have to get to the exit. So depending right. on how you blocked enemies, you could have also blocked yourself from getting to the exit as well, even after all the enemies are gone, because the blocks stay as well. So that kind of multi-stage puzzle, yeah, there's not many that do that. There's a lot of puzzles that do kind of the Sokoban blocks like little twists on that but um yeah th- that really i didn't remember that aspect of it kind of so um vividly until i played it again for the podcast and yeah it was it's quite um unique and innovative i think i haven't seen a lot of games do that yeah and that same uh that same like three-tiered system that you're talking about makes it so that um gameplay wise it stays like consistently fresh throughout the whole time you're playing it like every level feels it doesn't look very different which we'll talk about here in a minute um, but at least the gameplay the puzzle itself feels like super fresh and unique like unlike all the other puzzles that you've done yeah there's tons of ideas like just by mixing different enemy types completely changes things and even there's like the grass ground where certain enemies can't walk on it there's the sand ground it's really like yeah it feels like a small collection of gameplay mechanics but they just mix and match them through the i don't know it's probably maybe a hundred levels or something um yeah i felt start to finish every puzzle felt unique it never they were all kind of playing with different ideas oh there's the rivers you can push enemies onto Mm -hmm. the water and float on them there's there's so many different yeah, so many different um, ideas they mix and match that yeah, I felt like it. I almost felt like it was the perfect length for me. Like it was just um, yeah, nonstop interesting puzzles. And by the end, I was kind of ready to move on, but um, I it hadn't overstayed its welcome. Yeah, I agree. I feel the same way. I think it's like I don't. I don't know how it's been a long time since I played Lolo two or three because I don't think I own copies of those. But I feel like one is like the perfect length. Um, like every single puzzle can remain fresh and unique from and different from the other ones, and just about the time that you complete them um, is about the time that you're tired of trying to do these kinds of puzzles, and they get pretty difficult too. So it's like the frustration factor is definitely there uh, uh, on some of the levels. The, the difficulty curve, I would not say, is is linear. It's not like they just progressively get harder all the way to the end, but it is fairly consistent. Like it gets harder and harder as you go. Um, they layer in more and more different types of enemies and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's weird. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's intentional or it's just kind of depending on who plays it. But I certainly had cases where I'd just be totally stumped on a puzzle, spend an hour on it, and then the next one I'd beat in 
five minutes or just seemed yeah. so obvious to me. But right. I don't know if it was actually easier or I was just in the right mindset that kind of instantly saw the solution. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I, th- I think that the way that these puzzles are structured with like pushing blocks and, um, you know, the various things that you do, I think the way that they're structured means that like different people could find different levels easier than others, you know? It's like you may think this mm-hmm. level is super easy, but I may spend an hour and a half trying to figure it out. So yeah. I think it's pretty cool. Um, you touched yeah. on it earlier. I d- oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, you touched on it earlier. Um, uh, the using the rewind feature on the switch, right? And so that's what I did mm-hmm. this time. And I wonder if my opinion of the game is colored by that because I found this game very enjoyable and I loved every minute of it. But I used that rewind feature like a crutch, pretty bad. Um, yeah, which really I enhanced about my enjoyment. Yeah, it really enhanced yeah. my enjoyment of the game. But I wonder, you know. Uh, you know, I've had feelings in the past of thinking it was kind of like an okay game, as a unique game, but that it was just okay. And I was like, if I was going to give it a rating out of ten, it'd be like a seven, right? That's what that's kind of my opinion. Thinking about it before we started playing it for the podcast, and then this time I played it on Switch, and spoilers, my thoughts are much higher. I have, I'm holding it in a much higher regard, and I'm wondering if a lot of that, unfortunately, may be tied to the fact that I'm playing it on Switch and I have that rewind function, you know. Yeah, it's kind of a weird one too. It's because it's completely, it's not like a platformer, I feel like, where the skill, like you're kind of cheating by rewinding. Like in this, rewinding is mm-hmm. literally just saving you time because you know exactly how to get back to where you were. Right. Um, yeah. It's not, a, it's not a skill thing, it's just a time thing. So it feels legit to me to play it like that. But yeah, if you're trying to review it as an NES game, I don't know. Yeah. yeah it's tough. But yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it was, and it's weird too. It does a, it does. I don't know, even know if you saw this, but when you die, like it has lives. <laughs> they just send right. you back to the main menu, and then you go bite, and you just like click through the menu, and you go right back to the level you were on. It's not even like right. it sends you back to the start of the, the like the floor you were on. Like they no, go through. yeah, it's, it's just like it's a time pretend, is, right? <laughs> yeah, it literally has no impact on anything. I was like, well, this is dumb. So yeah. I'm just gonna start using rewind if I or save states at the start of every level because I don't want to spend... It's only like 30 seconds, but it feels like forever. It feels like forever when you're super frustrated because you were this close to getting to that exit, right? And it was your last mm-hmm. life. And then it seemed, you yep. have to go through all that again, just go start over again. Yeah, Those Medusa heads, man, they're like... Yeah, those are those ones, ridiculous. The instant kill ones, they just totally blend in. They look like trees. What is up yeah. with the what is up with the Medusas in NES games being so frustrating? I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was just playing Castlevania. Actually, they're the worst. You know the um, talking about having to redo the puzzle. You can like uh, kill yourself and start over, right? In this game, if you want to, I guess you have to yeah. block yourself in. Yeah. Um, but the the big thing for me, and the reason why I, I found myself leaning on that to rewind is yeah I could start the level over but some of these puzzles are so intricate it may have been a 10 minute ordeal for me to get through the figure out the, to get to that point where I'm dying right and it's like oh yeah. my gosh and I, and I die there two or three times so it's like 30 minutes of me doing the same thing over and again over again <laughs> trying to get to this point in the puzzle and it's just yeah 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 and some of them have like you have to wait for an enemy to Kind of loop through a pattern and be in a certain spot. Yeah, it's 
not fun, that part of it. Yeah. Some other stuff in it I, I wasn't crazy about either. I really don't like how the um like the shots that you earn from collecting certain hearts are just totally hidden from you. Even in the manual, I was just reading it as you were talking about it. It just says like there's no way to know what hearts will give you um bullets. I'm like, that seems like a weird design choice to me. Like, why is that interesting to kind of randomly pick up hearts until you learn which ones have the bullets or if you're going to get bullets at all, because that forces you at the start of the puzzle, you can't really plan it out properly because you don't know what tools you're going to have until you explore a little. Maybe that's interesting, I guess. You have to explore a little to kind of really understand what's what's at play in the puzzle. Yeah, that kind of goes along with what it kind of goes along with what Justin was saying that you most of the time you're not going to figure out the puzzle on your first try because yeah because you may have to figure out which one of those hearts gets you that that power up uh, in order to figure out the puzzle. And so you may have already wasted your chance of completing the puzzle before you, you know what I mean? Before you even get the shot. Right. Even after finishing it, I'm not even sure I totally understand it. If it's particular hearts give you the shots or if it's like the second heart you pick up, regardless of which one it is. Okay. Give you the heart. I'm really, I'm really glad you say that because I was waiting on somebody to, to, <laughs> to, to admit that they still have no clue how that works, and because I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think there's any pattern. I just kind of randomly thought, oh, I got, I got one there. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, I couldn't figure out if it was like once you get get two of them or once you get three of them, but then some some levels you never get it, and then some levels, you know, it feels like it's a certain heart that you get. Okay, good. All right, I don't feel yeah, stupid it's, now. It's At least definitely levels. Sp- yeah, definitely level specific. Um, you know, you mentioned the lives things and how there was like really no impact. You could just go right back to where you're, you know, you're the same level. I think we talk about how frustrating this game is now. Imagine how frustrating this game is if you really did have to restart it after you lost your lives. Then that would make you extraordinarily. Oh, yeah. That would yeah, definitely knock this game down a peg or two, probably. <laughs> yeah, I played the fir- probably the first half of it like that, like kind of legit. And then once I got to the later levels, I started rewinding because yeah, I just this, some of the setups like uh, Michael was saying were just so intricate. I couldn't bring myself to do it again. Yeah, yeah. I thought mean, something else. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say I thought something else that's pretty interesting with this, which is how it does um, like half tile movement do you guys know what i'm talking about where you don't move in a full block you move half a block at a time oh yeah 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 and and then mm-hmm. at first i was like this is so weird this just is annoying because i'm kind of pushing halfway across a block and getting hit and stuff like that but then there's i think there's only like three or four puzzles that actually require the half block movement where you can use a single um block to Sorry, I'm using the word block over and over again. A single block tile to prevent multiple enemies from shooting you. And that was. Oh, really yeah. Mm-hmm. I've seen that. I did game. notice that. I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's used very, very sparingly to the point where I kind of forgot it existed. And, and that got me pretty stumped for a while. And then suddenly you realize, oh, I can block both of those guys with one block. And that's another thing that kind of keeps the game kind of fresh is there's there's that and then there's a I mean there's a couple other things where they're just used so sparingly throughout the game 
that when they pop up, it's like, oh yeah, this again. This is cool. I forgot about this. Yeah, um, like those enemies that just follow you. They're like giant blocks or something. I don't know what they're. They're kind of like, they kind of look like uh, Mario enemies. Rocky, they're called in the yeah. Middle. But they just like hone in on you and push you against the wall. Oh yeah, the ones that just pin you in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they're only in there like a handful of times in the whole games. Yeah, like, just like you were saying. Some of the floor types too are kind of uh, mm-hmm. not in there very frequently. So, yeah, I think that's just some of the things. That the, the, those, you know, you're you're a game designer. You could you you could uh, uh, you know answer this, but it seems like those are like design decisions um, that really help keep the game like super fresh. Like it probably takes took a lot of work for them to come up with this concept for this and this other puzzle element, um, and you know, if I was designing a game, I'd think, oh, that's a really neat idea for this puzzle. Like these guys that block you in, they don't actually hurt you; they just push you up against the wall. And then I would think, I want to use this in every level. But then no, <laughs> they had a lot of restraint where they were like, no, that's a cool idea, but it would be even cooler if only eight of the levels out of the fifty use it. Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering if maybe it's, it seems like a lot of the real-time elements, like those guys, the guys that fall asleep when they touch you, I wonder if, like, I'm guessing a lot of the puzzle design was done on paper, so it's a lot harder probably to design those real-time enemies, or puzzles that use those real-time enemies, so maybe that that's just why they don't show up as much, but... Yeah, I agree, though. It it appears to be a game that shows a lot of restraint. I agree. Quite nice to play because of yeah, that. and wonder you, you know it just makes you wonder considering it's it's on the NES and such an old piece of hardware if it if it was truly a uh, you know design decision with restraint or if it was a something to do with limitation like they wanted to do all these different ideas and they couldn't you know obviously they couldn't cram them all into one level so they would have to they just had to sprinkle them throughout the game. Just because the NES wouldn't let them cram it all into one or something. Yeah, Who knows? that seems likely as well. Color palette limits, number of sprites, stuff like that come into play for sure. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so speaking of color palettes and sprites, what do you all think about the graphics in this game? I think for a puzzle game, for a game like this, that's you know, very 2D and very, you know, can become repetitive just out of, you know, a lot of these games are. I thought this was very good. I thought, uh, you know, for a puzzle game, this had a lot of good graphics, a lot of different level designs that I thought were good. So I was very impressed. Yeah, I'm, uh, I don't know. I was initially very impressed with the game when I popped, turned it on. Um, I thought, yeah, it looks great. Uh, you know, the Lolo's, he's just a little blue ball, but he's just uh, so endearing somehow, right? <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's the big eyes, it's probably the big eyes. But um, yeah, and this is the cool cutscene at the beginning um, and stuff. But then, I don't know, as I, as I got further and further in the game, the, I, I get it, you're in a castle, right? And you're trying to make it through this castle, but... Man, this castle needs uh, an interior designer or something because it is the same bland brown <laughs> floor and walls the entire time. Yeah, yeah, but I, it's, I felt it's a very game. similar. Yeah. 
it's a puzzle game, so I mean, I you know, I got to give it a little bit of forgiveness. I mean, Tetris is the same thing over and over again, right? And it's one of the best games of all time. So, yeah, um, you know, yeah, I thought it like functionally. I thought it does a really, really good job of making each enemy distinct and memorable, so you're not kind of guessing what what is that guy going to do again in this puzzle? How do I feed it? Like, it's really obvious the pink. Dinosaur things shoot once you wake them up. The slug guys just stand there and do nothing. So I really like that. I really liked Lolo's like walking animation. That's probably yeah, the animation. Sure. The animation is really good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, animations in general are pretty good. For they're kind of basic for the other guys, but they're pretty good. Like the sleeping guy, it's awesome. Um, yeah, but the, the biggest obvious kind of. Um, negative point is just how repetitive it gets by the end. You really kind of are expecting a, a biome change. Like that's at each floor almost. I was expecting, okay, I'm in floor two now. I'll get the like the water levels and then the lava right. levels. And it wasn't like that at all. It's it's the castle levels. Forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, castle, castle levels for days. <laughs> heard you like castles. Um, <laughs> but yeah, what's there is really good, but it's hard to... I'm trying to remember what the, the sequels were like. I feel like they were also super repetitive. Yeah, I don't remember. I'm not as sure about that. I have to go back and look. But yeah, I feel like some of the stuff is also looks weird. Like the... Uh, I don't know how to describe them, but there's one guy who kind of goes back and forth and shoots arrows. If you get in his line of sight, he's kind of like the Medusa. He looks almost like a children's drawing. I don't know how to describe it. It looks totally random. Whereas other stuff, look, like Lolo and the slugs and stuff, have a lot of character. So I don't know if it's different artists or what's going on there, but um, yeah, a little little mixed bag on some of the character design stuff. But overall, I thought it's pretty endearing, pretty memorable. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I think there's uh, there's definitely some like weird. Um, there's some there's some weird ones that pop up, but in general, the in the level itself is very boring and very bland, and it gets very old. But all the enemies, most well, most of the enemies, and Lolo, and the, a lot of the animations, and um, that's where it really shines. Is like the characters in the game, and the, the way they're able to make each one, most every single enemy looks distinct, and like like you said, it really you know what they do because they look they look. You can remember what each one enemy does because they look so distinct from the other ones. You're not you're not sitting there wondering, oh, well, I don't remember what this guy did because he looks just like this. There's not four different slugs that, that are just each different colors, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. A red slug and a green slug or something like that. Because then you, it, it you reminds forget me a lot of it, right? Yeah, which is a huge part of the game, right? It's, it's very mechanical. You, you want that kind of instant recognition, I think. Um, it reminds me a lot of Bubble Bobble, I find. Everything's got cutesy eyes. Not everything, but a lot of stuff does. It's not super detailed characters, but they're kind of endearing at the yeah. same time. Yeah, I can see that. All right. Uh, well, as long as we're going to talk negative things, uh, what do you guys think about the music? Well, there was, yeah, a song. <laughs> yeah, there was music. It was there. <laughs> It was present. Yeah. Yeah, it w- like, correct me if I'm wrong. It was one song for the entire game, right? Uh, yeah. As far as I could tell, it was definitely just one song repeating over and over and over again. I'm trying to remember what it was, but I don't know. I don't think any one song can 
bust an entire game and be enjoyable. Right. So I don't know. I'm, I'm sure I muted it very early on. Yeah, I played it on mute most of the time. Um, so maybe maybe later in the game it changes because by the time I got later in the game, I had to turn the music off, but uh, I doubt it. I'm pretty sure it's just the, the one song the whole time. And the problem is, you know, you're right. Probably there's no one song that could be played the entire time and be enjoyable, but I feel like there's other games that do a better job with one song. Like maybe they have it come in and yeah. out or something. Like it, it's only in certain parts of the game and then the other parts it's just quiet, which I would have been fine with. Just have some little enemy noises and stuff and then play music here and there. Um, yeah, I think like for a game, I don't want to like kind of my own horn here but this definitely came up with witch and whiz which is people have to sit on a screen and stare at it for 30 minutes the approach we took was to push the music to the background and make it super subtle and not like a catchy jingle which is what lolo is it's like something you would hum but it's just like you don't want to hum it for three hours right um so yeah i think they could have just taken a bit of a backseat on the music and just like a little bass note beat, you know, like something just to kind of fill the void, but not something that you're expected to enjoy specifically. Right. Oh, well, can't, you can't, uh, can't win them all. Lolo. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Uh, I don't know. I don't really have a whole lot more to say about the game. I don't think, um, I think you covered it fairly well. Yeah. So, uh, I guess my only other question is, uh, Justin, how much does this game go for? Can we say it's worth it? So, PriceCharting.com has the loose price at ten ninety five, so $11. Oh, wow. I'm going to say it's definitely worth that, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I think this is a common game. I think it's, you know, why it's kind of on the cheaper uh, level. And I think definitely uh, worth it. Does it increase, you know, we've talked about doing this in the past. Sporadically do it. Does it replace any of your games in our selections? Remember how we do the selections oh, for, yeah. for the money? I don't remember what's on my collection, but. Yeah. I, you know, if I've only got a limited amount of money, I don't know. I don't know if this makes it. But uh, I think uh, it would be tough. Worth it. Yeah, yeah, it would be tough. I'd have to see. Uh, I'd have to see what's on my list and see if there's any other puzzle platformers on there. I really do like this game. I think. Um, yeah, I think it's a game that's. Uh, approachable. I think it's a game that uh, is difficult, but not staggeringly so that you just can't do it. Um, and I think it's about the right length. I think you could play through this game uh, in a weekend or something, and then maybe put it down mm-hmm. and come come back to it a year or two later and have just as much fun with it. So I don't know. I really like it. I think uh, ten to twelve bucks is totally worth it. We'll see. We'll revisit yeah. when we get to like episode two hundred. We'll see if it makes makes the list. But uh, it's definitely close to being on my list. What do you think, Matt? Um. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't have your list. But as far as puzzle like puzzle games on the NES, I think the I definitely have a Lolo game in there. 
The one thing I'm not sure about is if it would be this or one of the sequels. Yeah, probably end up being one of the sequels. Yeah, and I don't know what the price difference is either between them. So it's hard to say, but it's. I'm trying to think of any puzzle games on the NES that I like more than this. Like similar, not like Tetris and stuff like that, but these kind of like single screen puzzle games. I don't know. There's not none that come to mind really. We think to something later, but yeah, this so is up there for me for sure. Just, just uh, FYI, Lolo Two goes for around forty bucks, and Lolo mm. Three goes for around sixty dollars right now, as of this recording. So, yeah, if you're gonna, I'm definitely picking Lolo One to be in my bucket. If if I only yeah. have about two hundred dollars yeah. to spend on games right. or something. Of the three, Lolo One's definitely make it in there because I don't think we'll, we'll maybe talk about them if we, when when and if we ever cover Lolo Two and Three. But I don't think they're as much of an upgrade. Wor- they're not that much worthy of an upgrade for that kind of jump in price. Yeah, I just remember the third one added a world map, and it kind of drove me nuts. <laughs> you have to walk between puzzles now. Yeah. You can go into them in any order and stuff, and I don't like that. Too much choice. Like, it seems like a waste of time. Into an right? RPG. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're like, we didn't waste enough of your time with those retries and sending you back to the main menu. Yeah, and we're gonna make you walk between levels. All right. Uh, so I did not. Um, I don't think I posted. I was looking on our Facebook group. I don't think I posted for feedback on this because yeah, I didn't see anything. We kind of had to mix it up uh, with trying to get Matt on. We were actually trying to get it on before the physical release uh, window closed, but uh, Justin and I both had some do some rescheduling. Um, so right. I don't have any don't have any Facebook feedback. I didn't come up with any retrofitted achievements for this one either. It's like her I'm telling you, I spent too yeah. much time. I spent too much time on Witch and Wiz people. <laughs> I didn't get enough time to do retrofit achievements. But do you guys have any? Not me. Yeah. No, let's let's uh we you can go move, ahead and move on. You wanna move on? Talk, talk about, about which and whiz. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. All right. So I'm gonna put a little transition music in here. Um and by transition music I mean some more of that intro music that I played that was not actually the game. But I may go back and put in a, a song from Witch and Wiz here instead. For transmission, transition music. So, what Justin and Matt are hearing is probably not what you, the listener, are hearing. But here we go. All right. Did that switch your brain over uh, to thinking about which way? I did. Immediately. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So, Matt, you got a new game, and yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I must say, and uh, just right out the gate, I I don't know what I was expecting. I remember, you, you know, last time you came on, you were talking about From Below, right? Which was kind of like a Tetris yeah. uh, clone, right? Yeah, uh, of, of, of sorts. And so I don't know exactly what I was expecting, but when I pop when I, when I pop this one in and start playing it, I was pleasantly blown away. I was like, whoa, this is definitely an upgrade uh, in my book from from below. Um, 
Well, it's thank delicate. you, and yeah. I'm a little bit insulted at the same time. <laughs> that, that's what I'm, I'm good at. That I'm, that's kind of like my that's kind of like my forte. Throwing in a little insult at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, but no, this I mean this has a little story. I mean, we'll talk. We'll talk more about it here in just a second uh, as far as the story and stuff goes. But it's got a little story at the beginning, uh, and then you get right into um, yeah, just some really. Clever puzzle platforming, but uh, yeah. So you um, you were nice enough to send Justin and I a couple copies, and uh, mm-hmm. I guess I didn't. I I should have known because um, we did. You did the same thing with From Below, but I was you know I just popped this into the emulator and I played it um, on my RetroPie just like I would any other NES game. And so it's just sitting there right alongside my other NES game. So I was able to play this game and then you know hop over and play some other similar game, um, Fire and Ice or something, just to just to see compare your game to the other game. You know, not to compare it to try yeah, to um, yeah. not to try to. I mean, you know, they're obviously decades apart, right? But it's the same hardware, mm-hmm. so there maybe there's some more developer knowledge that's come along the way. But in general, you're still you're working under the same limitations as they were, um, and so yeah, there's lots of uh, lots of cool stuff to talk about. Anyways, I'm rambling a little bit. So what I'd like to know is uh, what uh, kind of start us off. What kind of where where'd you get the idea? And what's good? We'll do a little history. We'll do tidbits and trivia here without the trivia. So, what's kind of inspired sure. you, and what was your path, maybe from the previous NES game to this one? Yeah, first of all, that Fire Nice is a good point. I'd put Fire Nice before Lolo when we were talking about <laughs> puzzle games. Yeah, that's a fantastic game. That's one of one of the inspirations for Witch and Wiz. That one's oh, obviously uh, less direct, but um, the style of it, the way they take such like a seemingly simple mechanic on the surface and really kind of roll with it and see how much they can do with it. I find that quite inspiring. I was not um, necessarily putting that one above your game, by the way. I was just, it just oh, made me well, think to I go. I think I would. I was just, it just made me think to go play, try fire and ice. Um, yeah. yeah. No, I, I find it interesting too. Like there's a weird, you, you mentioned it there where, yeah, eventually they are all on the same hardware. So the, kind of end result physical limitations are the same to an extent, but there's a lot of other pieces involved. For example, the cost of memory, I can essentially put like a one gigabyte card on the like SD card on the cart if I really wanted to, right. Whereas that yeah. would be impossible. Yeah. And they would have to think about every kind of kilobyte that they're using when they're making their games back in the day. Whereas now I kind of just do whatever I want. And when I need more memory, I add more memory. And right. we kind of, people who make NES games tend to, I think, make personal kind of uh, limitations that they want to stick to, to a certain extent. But Yeah, I was going um, to ask you, that, did you, yeah. did you limit yourself then in that case? Because I noticed it's a, yeah. it's a 256 kilobyte, right? Yours is? Yeah. Yeah, which, which would pretty be big. pretty big. Yeah. But not, not unheard of. Like Kirby, I think, is 512 or something like that, one of the bigger ones. Um. Super Mario, it's probably similar to Super Mario 3, although I haven't checked it. Um, so it'd be like of kind of the upper level of uh, size of licensed era NES games, but not not like some of the homebrew that come out now that are literally like like Doom running on an NES, stuff like that. So 
I think it's a legitimate game that could have come out back then. But then the other side of it is just the development tool. So I can run a game in an emulator and I can debug it live. I can write it in C. Um, there's a whole bunch of advantages I get by being in the modern era, even if the end result mm-hmm. still has to compile to an NES. There's a lot of tooling along the way that I get that they didn't have or that they had to write themselves. Like I right. think a lot of people were writing their own assemblers and stuff like that back in the day. But at the same time, I'm working on it in my spare time. Just me. Well, I work with artists and stuff as well, but programming and design is just me and it's a couple hours a night, whatever I can find, that kind of thing. So I think it evens out in some ways. Um, It does. But yeah, I think it's really interesting. Yeah, go ahead. Just to jump in real quick, uh, talking about file size. And since Lolo was the beginning of this episode, Lolo is 36 kilobytes. So, really? Oh, that's smaller than I expected. It's pretty small. Lolo's pretty small. Lolo three yeah. is a, is one hundred twenty eight. So Lolo three is pretty big. But Lolo one's thirty, just thirty six. Pretty small. Yeah, and actually, a big part of which and was memory wise is just the music. There's like sixteen tracks or something like that, which I think would be pretty like. Well, maybe there's games that do that, but that would be a little excessive, I think, for licensed era standards. I probably would have cut that in half if I actually wanted. To kind of save money on, yeah, that's quite a few. And you got some, you got some pretty uh, intensive graphics, like in this game too. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure a lot of memory goes to to some of that too. Definitely, yeah. So, like one thing I wanted was every every time there's a mechanic, a new mechanic introduced, there'd be new visuals to kind of go along with it that are somewhat um, like parallel to it. For example, the there's a section of the game where you have a clone. So that is all themed around mirrors. So switch everything out to mirrors, stuff like that. And so levels where the game flips over on a gear. And so that's uh, like meant to be a clock clock tower uh, theme. So yeah, yeah, for sure. There's there's things that I think like if it was back in the day, would have cut corners and simplified a bit. But since we got lots of memory, yeah. Yeah, a lot of it, memory code... All that's up. <laughs> there isn't really one silver bullet that's eaten up all that memory. And actually, there is memory left over, even though it says it's 256k. I didn't actually use it all in the end. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so, anyways, awesome. so, so you were uh, you were you were saying uh, uh, your your path from from the previous yeah, game yeah. to this one? Yeah. So, um, Witch and Wiz actually started in 2017. I'm not sure if you're aware of. Eco Eight. It's a fantasy console yeah. or PC. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like an NES, but not really an NES. It's like a fake, fake retro system that you can make games for in a much more forgiving environment. So, Witch and Wiz, I made with a guy back in 2017, and it was basically 30 levels that were um, just two mechanics. The or sorry, three mechanics. It had the kind of basic levels. Levels with a clone where you're controlling two at the exact same time. And then the witch and whiz levels, which were where you go back and forth between two characters. So that was, um, that's where it started. So I built that, um, I guess about four years ago now. And then earlier this year in 2021, um, I kind of rebuilt that Pico 8 version for the NES for a competition called the Nestev competition which is a yearly thing where different people in the NES homebrew scene submit somewhat smaller games, usually 
uh, or kind of proof of concepts demos, and there's a competition for the best game. So Action Wiz was entered into that. It got second place. Um, and that was yeah, more or less the Pico 8 version, but running on an NES. So much simpler, only one tile set, um, just three songs, I think, including like the title track and stuff like that. You got robbed. Um, <laughs> no, the, yeah. the game one definitely deserved it. It was, it was awesome. Um, but uh, so after that, that was in, I think, March of 2021. I switched gears back to doing the full version of this game, which um, sought to add, as I mentioned, new tile sets for every level, new music tracks for, sorry, for every mechanic, new music tracks for every mechanic, and then adding from those initial three puzzle mechanics, adding Initially, I wanted to add seven more. I think in the end, I added four, four or five, you could say. And then I also added kind of the prologue levels, which you mentioned, which are a bit of a story introduction to the story. Um, yeah, that's kind of... And then I basically finished it this summer. Um, did a bunch of beta testing and then started working towards the physical release, which was in... Uh, like November 12th to December 12th of this year through limited runs. So a lot of run up to that, getting things ready, box art, manual, all that kind of stuff. And then it launched digital at the same time. So yeah, that's how I got here. And yeah, as you mentioned, it's my second NES game. So I had always planned that my first game would be something really simple like Tetris, which is what From Below is obviously inspired by. And my second game would be a bit more advanced, use like an advanced mapper, additional memory, more graphics, stuff like that. Uh, a little bit more action-oriented, um, but still somewhat simple. Like you can see it's everything's a single screen. There's no scrolling. Uh, there's not a lot of real-time action. I can kind of, yeah, I can kind of, keep things simple that way and then hopefully my next game will be something more along the lines of like a an action platform or something like that is what i want to do mm. you're, you're talking yeah. justin's awesome. language now yeah okay yeah that's kind of where i'd like to be those are the kind of games i made prior to working on the nes but there's a lot of skills to kind of relearn on the old yeah. hardware so i'm kind of building up to that but right hopefully getting close yeah, I mean, uh, if you take the same, I, don't, I mean, I don't know if this was just this this game came easy to you or not, but uh, if you take the same level of care uh, that you put into in this game, um, I think you'll you'll figure it out for sure. I am yeah, curious. Absolutely. So you you definitely you ended up with a bunch. How many different elements did you say? Because I don't I haven't seen them all yet, but um, I think there's like seven core mechanics you could say that kind of switch up throughout the levels yeah okay cool yeah you're so your your puzzles get pretty intricate and I you know they're not exactly easy uh, so I've only made it through maybe I don't know let's see I'm trying to think there's I'm probably about three mechanics in I guess there's I did the one where you can go through the walls I mean that's like mm-hmm. the second one right Maybe the same yeah. one. And I did the grab. I'm at the gra- I think I'm at the gravity one now, where you flip upside down. Yeah. It's like, but I haven't made it much past that yet. Um, okay, and it's not yeah, not for problem. lack of not for lack of trying. I must say. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's hard though. Like some some people, they play it for the first time and they can finish it in 45 minutes to an hour. 
then other people can spend that on one puzzle. So it's try to find, it's really hard to find that sweet spot where it's fun, but not frustrating and rewarding, but not too easy. Um, yeah. So I yeah. guess what I'm, I guess what I'm most curious about then is um, how did you design these? Did you go pen and paper and design them before you got into the game? Um, did you design them with any? Because you did this dev release first. Did you have any help from like the community to help you design some of this stuff? Or no, I tried. I tried to get some people to kind of hop on, and I released a level editor privately to some of the beta testers to hopefully get some additional. Um, support because I, I actually hate level design so uh, but I didn't I didn't get any nobody kind of hopped on that so yeah they're all all the new ones are for me some of them are from that original Pico 8 game which are a mix of me and uh, the designer or the artist on that game but yeah I, the way I approached it was I would think of a new mechanic say the gravity flipping and then on pen and paper I would try to design a really easy puzzle medium difficulty puzzle and a really hard puzzle just on paper and see if I could do that. And that's how I would evaluate if a, a mechanic itself was good enough to go in the game or was kind of feasible to go in the game. Because if I can't design a really difficult puzzle, even one from the start, it's just kind of a, a non-starter. There's no way I'll be able to design 10, right. uh, 10 puzzles if it's kind of that hard right from the start. So there's a lot of mechanics that kind of just ended there. So the ones that I kept, like the gravity one, I would mostly, the way I do a lot of the puzzles is I would start with a concept, like um, on this puzzle, I want you to have to hang on to a ladder while you flip gravity. And then while everything else flies up to the ceiling, you're kind of stuck on the floor holding onto this ladder. And you use that to your advantage to kind of reach a new area. And I would kind of start with something really simple like that, build that, and then assuming it worked, if I wanted it to be more difficult, I would just layer on additional kind of gotchas in there. So like maybe there's a cobweb that you needed to destroy first before grabbing onto the ladder so that you don't get stuck, something like that. And I just keep going and going until it got to the level of difficulty that I thought warranted or matched where it should be in the, the progression of the, the game. That's kind of... Yeah, I, I did most. So I did most of the level design on the computer. I have a pretty good level editor, so I can test, I can implement and test the level in kind of seconds. It's it's really easy to test ideas once the yeah. mechanics are in place. Nice, mm. cool. So um, yeah, so what the um, so something that just is just a little aside. Um, something I really like that you did in the game. It just—it's so s silly that I like this so much. But you put what the B button and the A button do down in the corner all the time. So it's like, because the A button changes what it does throughout the game, right? In different parts. Yeah, correct. And, and so the B button's always that rewind feature, which I do want to ask you about that here in just a second. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, the fact that the A button, because when the mechanic changes, that A button kind of changes too. So it's, it's like, yeah. It's probably not that difficult to remember what it does, sure. But um, I just—it's a nice little touch. You just got the little floating buttons that remind you what what's going on, you know. So I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, I, th I think that's one of those things you're talking about at the start, where there's like 35 years of design 
acknowledge between this game and say fire and ice um so that's one of those things i'm just used to that from modern game design where you put buttons on the screen all the time to tell people what to do even if it's maybe obvious it's there'll be times where people will forget and it's just nice to have there so yeah it's just one of those things i actually really regret that i wasn't able to get the uh select resets the level and tons of people miss that so they're constantly going to the pause menu to reset the level at the to the start so uh yeah it's been nice to get that in there but um yeah it was just like a little touch i also did um talking about kind of modern design stuff i did a bunch of accessibility stuff um so if you go to witch and whiz slash accessibility i list everything there but stuff like there's a co-pilot mode so if you plug in a second controller a both controllers will play the game so if you're someone Uh with say motor function or maybe visual um problems with vision you can play most of the game but if you need a hand you don't need to pass the controller back and forth the other wow. person can kind of yeah, kind of like or if you played games as a kid and you had a brother or sister like often hold the controller and pretend you were playing it's kind of like that but it yeah. actually does something so that's that comes from xbox has that feature right. just built into the system and i was like well that's really easy to implement on the nes so i just did that and then there's a, a high contrast mode for people with uh vision problems so that one i'm not sure how well it works because i had very very testing but the idea is it takes away all of the um uh like noise from the graphics so they they change from say castle with bricks and leaves and ladders and all that to just kind of square blocks like solid solid gray blocks um the idea is if you're of some vision but very limited you might be able to um kind of make things out if they're a little bit less varied like a white block is always a wall, regardless of kind of where it is. Mm-hmm. Um, that comes from Last of Us did something like that, Last of Us 2. So anyway, there's a bunch of, like you that's mentioned, a, the button hints and stuff. That's very modern uh, thinking, right? So that's, that's pretty cool. Because you'd never see something like that yeah. in an NES game. Um, no, you know, like that, even those concepts didn't exist, I don't think, really, at any right. kind of commercial level. It's funny, as an aside, my... Um, our buddy Crabman, uh, Justin, my buddy, uh, he's got a yeah. he's got a son who's got arthrogryposis, right? And um, so, he, which is like a joint, uh, I don't know what you call it. It's like something with his joints where like they're all kind of messed up a little bit. Um, but so it's painful, painful to do kind of repetitive actions, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, right. And it's okay. it's hard it's hard for him to do some things. And so when that Xbox controller came out, it was really cool for him. Um, yeah. But as he's gotten a little bit older, he's he's seven years old now. So, but as he's gotten a little bit older, um, he's turned to where he can actually use a controller. And he's figured out how to how to make a controller work. But the funny thing is, um, he came o- he, he came over to the house the other day, and he's like, "Hey, Michael, can we play uh, Super Mario Odyssey?" And I was like, uh, "Yeah, sure." I, I you know I've got Mario Odyssey. I was like, "Sure, we can play it." And I handed him the controller, and he was doing all this stuff that like. I couldn't even imagine myself doing it. it, It's just funny how, uh, you know, time and effort, uh, in some cases, if you've got the desire to do it, uh, like, of course I've got the desire to do it, but I don't have the dexterity or the uh, twitch. I don't have the young brain like like he does. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
but uh, it's just funny. I thought that was funny. But the, the accessibility yeah. thing. That's another thing. Like, two or three years ago, um, I mean, this would be like exactly what um, Crab Man would have would have wanted a game like this where he could do something like that. It's like perfect. So you think you think it's maybe yeah. a, you think of it as like yeah, it's only like a handful of cases where it's going to come in useful. But then you know somebody where it's going to come in useful, and, and it's just awesome. So kudos mm-hmm. to you for implementing something like that. Yeah, yeah, I was happy to yeah, kind of do it. Yeah, um, another part like it's a little less kind of maybe traditional accessibility, but the whole intro to the game, which tells the backstory. Um, that's kind of inspired by my daughters who one of them can't read. And when I started, started it, the other one couldn't really read very well either. Um, so I wanted to have a whole, I wanted to have a game with no dialogue. So we often play games together and like even NES games and there's just pages and pages of dialogue and I have to read it to them. So I thought it'd be cool to try and tell the story without any reading so that anyone could kind of enjoy it. And um, yeah, that's why the whole intro is just told through kind of gameplay and environmental storytelling. Yeah, I like that. That's, that's cool. That's definitely cool. I I, lo- I love the little prologue. I think that was that was a nice touch. Um, Thanks. You kind of don't realize what kind of game you're playing at first. Um, you know. Yeah, yeah. It could be a negative thing, but, <laughs> but yeah. But it, no, it's a it's a good way to tell it. Kind of tell a little story. Uh, and yeah, yeah, it's a little dialogue. more. Yeah, it's a little more drawn out than I think I wanted initially. Um, I don't know. It's hard. Like if you make it too short, it just feels like nothing really happened. You just left your house and suddenly you're in getting abducted by a witch. Whereas I wanted right. to feel like the kids are like exploring, going into the woods, just going like a little too far, a Grimm's fairy tale kind of feeling that, yep. yeah, they just go a little beyond where they should be. They find an old cabin and stuff like that I would have done as a kid going, exploring in the woods and stuff like that. And just seeing what's inside and, Kind of ending up uh, triggering a series of events that leads to the young boy being abducted by an evil witch. Yeah, no, I think um, no, I think that, I think that, I didn't think it was too long. I think it's about right. Uh, yeah, cool. It's, no, it, you know, your other your only other option would have been to what do like what Lolo did and have like a couple little cut scenes or something. Yeah, um, but the this the way you've done it, it's interactive, so it's a little bit different. I think it's kind of yeah, you're, yeah. You're I really like it. I didn't. You know. Yeah, I didn't quite land that part as well as I wanted to, but yeah, that is something I was hoping to do was keep it always in control of the player. That you're never just like, okay, time to put the controller down and watch the cutscene. I wanted to always feel that it was in world. I had to take a bit of control away just for the logistics of kind of animating something like that. But for the most part, yeah, it's it's in in game graphics, in game world. Um, like Half Life Two is one of my favorite games of all time. That does some really like, I love the environmental storytelling and that, the parts where you look through a window and see stuff going on. Yeah. Um, I wanted to kind of capture a bit of that as much as I could. Cool. So what uh, what made you think to put the, I mean, I can kind of imagine, but the rewind mechanic, that's something I can't imagine any, I don't think any NES game has ever ever did that back in the day. Um, I know modern games have done it since, uh, and I guess... Braid is kind of the one of the most infamous um, indie games to have done it, where that's like the mechanic of the game. But yeah, yeah. it just—I just can't. The, 
I don't know. I didn't. I've never seen it in an, in any NES game, so that's kind of like something that kind of struck me as as cool. Because you're not you're not just rewinding. You can, you don't just rewind to the beginning of the level. Um, you can rewind individual moves, and you can rewind pretty much as many as you want. I think, as far as I can tell. Yeah, it's a few hundred. I think I forgot what I ended up with, but it's essentially more than you could reasonably do. There's yeah. one or two levels. If you really kind of meander around, you can hit the limit. But yeah, in general, the idea is people would never see the limit. So the the idea for it is actually just taken directly from Catrap or Pitman, the Game Boy game I mentioned that it's inspired by. So they do, I still don't know how they do it. They do a rewind that, I, I have some ideas on how they do it, but it's quite impressive. They do a full, like, play everything back, backwards. So, like, all the animations play backwards. The enemies that were killed kind of animate back onto screen, and the explosion kind of flies huh. into itself. It's, it's really quite quite cool, especially on the Game Boy. Um, and I couldn't get that. Well, I have some ideas on how I could do it, but it would have required kind of dramatically changing how I programmed the entire kind of movement system in the game, and I didn't really want to do that. So, in my game, it just pops through yeah each move i i call it more of an undo a rewind yeah. it's kind of right. it's mostly meant to be oh i took an extra step and i didn't mean to and now i'm in a pit and i just want to go back to the top of the pit that's kind of most of the time that i intend that that's how i intend it to be used if you're going to rewinding much past that i'd expect you just to reset the level but yeah the, the inspiration is just from Catrap, and then once you see it yeah it's it's hard to imagine Playing games without it, it's so so nice to be able to um, reverse those moves. It's a little weird. It's kind of funny based on what we were talking about with Lolo, where this would have been a lot more useful in like the licensed era, where you didn't have emulators. Whereas now it's kind of pointless because people can do save states and rewind in an emulator and stuff like that. But whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it it's it's kind of like thinking, uh, you know. Even myself, when I when I play, you know, when I play NES games, I tend to try to at least initially play them like they're an NES game, right? So I don't I don't instantly go to save states and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. And I usually like on my on my when I when I play emulation on like my Retro Pie and stuff, I I like the you know the retro. I'm sure you've seen it, like the retro achievements community where they have the They've got the achievements that you can earn for the games. Well, they've got a hardcore mode which turns off all the save states and stuff on the on the emulator. So I usually just use that, which prevents me from being able to save scum and move through the game. Just, just at least to try it that way first. Now, a game like Lolo, I may end up, uh, you know, change my mind, right? But um, yeah, in general, I try to play it like it's an NES game. Uh, which is which means your game would be perfect because uh, you know it's built in. I don't have to cheat it, so to yeah. speak. You know. Yeah, and and I should say too, like I I build these NES games kind of with the focus on the physical version. So I, right. I do the digital release for convenience, and I know some people prefer it, but for me, the interesting part is is yeah, running on real hardware and like you said, it existing as a kind of standalone thing and not dependent on an emulator doing special stuff. So yeah, yeah, I, I'm totally with you too. I, I play, I try to play everything on a cartridge and 
try to try to experience it as it was back then. I even do like right now. I'm I just finished Castlevania and I'm about to start Simon's Quest with my kids, and so I'm like scouring the internet trying to find strategy guides from '89 uh, or '90, whenever it came out. That Nintendo Power issue with it, try and experience it like as it would have been back then. So even if I'm kind of, cause I know Simon's quest is going to be a nightmare if I don't <laughs> use a guide, but I don't, I want to kind of use a guide of the air, like what I actually would have done as a kid. And yeah, it's fun. It's, it's cool too. And the Nintendo power ones are pretty good actually. Cause they I used to hate it when I was a kid. Cause they would always end like halfway through the game. Be like your adventure is just beginning. No, I want to know everything, but now it's kind of nice because that's actually what I want. I want to to be pointed in the right direction without step-by-step guide. Yeah, I like the the point me in the right direction. Don't tell me exactly what to do, right? Which that's kind of a modern thing too, you know? I mean, some games have a map that have a dot that you just run to, but some games also just kind of maybe like Metroid. So Metroid, obviously, when you're playing it on the NES, if you play it, as as intended, you have to sit down and map out to draw your own maps and stuff, right? Um, so you know, a simple way to say modernize that game would be the map is just generated in game based on when you go to the room, like a modern Metroid is. So, I mean, just little things like that. But the drawing your own map is another thing too. That's pretty. That's something. Talk about doing something with your kids. That's something that could be really fun. Which is probably what you guys did. Yeah, the trouble is, kids suck at it. <laughs> I'm like, no, stick to the grid. You gotta stick to the grid. What are you doing? That that room was not two blocks wide. I bought you this graph paper for a reason. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Why are you drawing flowers in the corner? We're supposed to be drawing. (laughs) Rip it up, throw it in the trash. (laughs) Worst kid ever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I get it. Yeah. I can imagine kids are probably not the. They're not the best guide in the world, but they're, it's it's all about just having fun. So, yeah. Uh, all right, Justin, do you, do you have any thoughts? I've kind of left you in the. I don't no, I mean at. you guys kind of covered everything. Just, I've enjoyed kind of listening to to Matt. You talk about the development of this game. It's been really interesting. Yeah, I'm excited to get to. So, um, I, I obviously, I, like I said, I only made it to, I guess, the third mechanic, so to speak, the gravity mechanic. I'm excited to get to more. I know, uh, and I've watched a little bit of, there's a couple of people on YouTube that have done some some long plays and stuff of the game, and so I was able to kind of look and look at some of the mechanics. Uh, and some of them look pretty interesting. I like the one, the one I'm most intrigued by is the, I think the one where you, I guess you get your, your friend back, the lo- the boy, and you can kind of switch between mm-hmm. the characters. I, I'm pretty excited to try that one. Although it looks late in the game. It looks like the last one you get. Yeah. But, it is, um, yeah, because that's your whole quest. You're rescuing them. Right. So that's, yeah, after you finally find them, the final escape from the, the castle with him. Um, yeah, yeah, there's... I don't know if I mentioned it, too. Like, one of the design philosophies is that each mechanic is meant to kind of go back to base, like, square one. So the mentioned in Lolo, like the, the difficulty curve, although a little uneven, is essentially like rising the entire time. Whereas with Witch and Wiz, my aim was to have it peaks and valleys all the all mm-hmm. the way through. So when you 
right before you get a new new mechanic, you do the hardest puzzle with the previous mechanic. And yeah. it should be really difficult, take a long time. And after you finish that, you get a little, once again, kind of in-game cutscene where you get the new mechanic. And then the first few puzzles with the new mechanic are almost brain dead. Like they're really just teaching you the mechanic. They're not meant to be a puzzle per se. Uh, and then it kind of slowly builds up again, does that exact same ramp. So like I get overwhelmed with puzzle games myself where I just keep layering and layering and layering. And by the end of the game, I'm just like, I'm not a puzzle game guy. And by the end of it, I just, I'm not having fun anymore. There's just too many things to consider. And yeah, as I mentioned, oh, I just feel overwhelmed. So this, my, my thought with this was to design it for myself in the sense that, um, it's kind of a different challenge. It's almost like seven or eight different small games. Like the puzzles are all, mechanics are all kind of twists on the same concept, but I don't like add a new mechanic. I remove the old mechanic and add a new mechanic. So it just keeps switching as you go through. Um, and that's the same all the way to the end. Like when you get to the wizard, there's no longer gravity flipping and there's no longer... Um, the edges where you kind of loop around and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, if, right. if that appeals to you, like if you're listening to this and that appeals to you and think you might like it, um, or if you're into the yeah, fire and ice, low, low, those kind of single screen puzzle games. Um, you've also got I an entire, like, uh, you've also got an entire concept in my opinion, dedicated to, uh, Donkey Kong f- for the game boy where you're, you've got a key that key you can, one? Yeah. yeah, that's my favorite one. That's it. Yeah, that's a good. It's a great game. Donkey Kong. Uh, what do they call that? Donkey Kong '94. Yeah, Donkey Kong '94. I think it's what it's it's, it's being called these days. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I had that one as a kid. I loved it. Yeah, I played it. I, I played that all the time. Super Game Boy game too. Yeah. And so that that was kind of what I was thinking of when I was watching the uh, key levels. Um, yeah, yeah, that one like. Donkey Kong's a lot more uh, like action oriented. Oh, sure. sure. Yeah. Uh, whereas this one is much more methodical. But yeah, it's cool. Like with a puzzle game like this, like what the key does is it adds an element, something that you can pick up and carry. And kind of like Lolo, you have to carry it to the gate to open the door. And it's a very small thing, but just that small twist like adds a whole new flavor of puzzles. That you kind of have to relearn, not relearn, but you have to start from scratch and learn again, learn new mechanics. So yeah, it's I think it's fun. <laughs> I made it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was also I was gonna. I'm glad you mentioned the uh, the ramping the difficulty thing where you ramp up each each different concept because I was I was actually thinking thinking that uh, just a minute ago how like the very when you first get a new mechanic, the very first thing you do is almost nothing. It, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm thinking back to the the one where the the levels loop around themselves. I think all you have to do is just loop around one time, and there's an enemy, right? It's just yeah. it's, it's almost yeah, like you it's just go left. It's almost just like teaching you how to use the mechanic. And so, yeah, I I like that. I'm I'm with you. I'm not exactly. I'm not a super technical puzzle guy. I have trouble with puzzles, especially when they layer everything together. Um. So, like, to imagine somehow you layering all these concepts together into one puzzle. First of all, if I was designing the game, I would probably just 
jump off the bridge trying to figure out how to do that. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, the same, man. I, <laughs> then if you were to figure it out, the the poor people trying to play the game, uh, you know. But so I'm 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 glad you didn't do that for my own sanity. Um, not uh, necessarily. I did have an idea at one point. I was going to do um, kind of a secret like B-sides level you would unlock somehow. And that was going to be where I would combine all the mechanics. So kind of like, you know, in Super Mario World, they have those, I think like eight or ten levels um, after Star Road, where they're just like really, really challenging levels that are totally optional. Yeah, I was going to do something like that, where I would combine all these and just make it ridiculous for those people that are kind of after that. Yeah, well, you could combine. (laughs) You could, well, that's Witch and Wiz too. Yeah. (laughs) Electric Boogaloo. No, the, uh, you could do, um, I don't know. You could do, uh, you could, yeah, you could just combine two or three of the mechanics. You don't have to combine all of them either. But yeah, anyways. Yeah, yeah you're, yeah, you're right. Wouldn't take much. The game has shipped. Uh, so I understand. Um, you may have already done this, but I was, I was sitting here thinking as I, as I think of all these different mechanics, um, of how you, it would be cool to do like, just hold back some of your most difficult puzzles of each mechanic. And then, like right before the boss of the game, something do like a Mega Man style boss gauntlet or something, where you had to do like one really difficult puzzle of each mechanic right before you got to the boss or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, oh, yeah, I won't spoil the boss fight for you then. Okay, only surprised. All right, cool. I'll, <laughs> I will. Uh, I will wait until I get there. Maybe a while. But <laughs> cool. All right. Well. um, I don't know. I guess we'll do. Uh, we can do graphics and uh, and stuff like we do in the other in the other segment. So graphics A plus. I think it's uh, they're great. the The colors yeah, are, are super vibrant in this game. I think maybe the most vibrant I've seen on an NES game in a long time. So I don't know how you went about choosing. I know you're limited to how many colors per tile or whatever that you can do, but I don't know how you went about choosing which colors to use. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, great, so great yeah, job. I've, I've been kind of talking about this as if I did. So the the art is done by, for the most part, by two guys. Uh, Kenneth Fedger, I think is how you say his name, and a guy named Alp. So Kenneth did most of the level art, and he basically just, like all the color stuff you're talking about, he basically just did that. Yeah. Well, kudos um, to him. So, yeah, that's, it's great. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. He did amazing. Yeah, he's awesome. And then Alp, he did some level stuff, but he was mostly responsible for the main character and like the mom and the prologue and stuff. Like he was more yeah. of the character guy. So, but yeah, both of them and another guy named uh, Haller Zoltan who did the graphics for From Below. He did some stuff on uh, Witch and Wiz as well. But uh, From Below had some good not, color, some good color stuff going on too, if I recall. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it's a, it a little more kind of like. Well, it's tough to get like saturated or desaturated on the NES, but there's a little more kind of realistic vibe to it. Whereas this one is, yeah, very colorful. And yeah, if you check out the uh, Kenneth Fedger on Twitter, he does he does these NES mocks all the time that are just super inspiring, really exciting to see. So if you like that kind of look, yeah, he's he's doing, they basically look like Nintendo, like Nintendo of Japan games. I mean. Mario stuff like that. Yeah, I'm gonna look him up. Uh, cool. And the um, the music, music is good. You got a lot of tracks. Um, yeah. 
don't know, it does kind of it does kind of loop a little bit, but not in a bad way. You know, like you said, you push it kind of push it to the back, so it's not in your face annoying. It's just kind of it's there. It's pleasant. I don't mind it. You you do allow the your, I like how you you can go in the option menu and you can turn off the music but leave on the sound that sort of thing. That's a smart smart move. Yeah. Yeah, the music's by a guy named Tui. I think it's a bird. He's the same one that did the uh, from from below. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. He so. did the music kinda, for from below so it kind of has a he similar did all, feel. Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, he did all the music and sound effects for this game. Very good. Excellent as as always. Tui. T U I? T U Yeah, but it's like an I with two dots or something. Oh, it's got the Ooh, Ooh, French. Fancy. <laughs> fancy. Yeah. Uh, all right, cool. So, um, Justin, uh, it's probably not on price charting yet because it just got released, but uh, on it is on eBay. It is. Oh, that's okay. Well, you're selling it on eBay, right? No, it's. Uh, <laughs> Someone's selling. Somebody's already selling selling, selling the pre-order. One eighty, oh, wow. it's going for. Oh wow! What if, what was the pre-order? Oh, sorry, pre-order. sorry, that's that's Canadian. That's Canadian. Uh, One forty. One forty is the U.S. price. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, I don't know. No offense, Matt. I don't know that I would pay that for it. <laughs> 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 the original. Uh, it originally went for. Uh, I think it was sixty and sixty for the standard, and then ninety for the special edition. Ten bucks yeah. for the digital. Come on, guys. A ten bucks, yeah, without a doubt. That's yeah. Everybody right, go buy. Now it. We're everybody <laughs> needs to go buy it for ten bucks. And uh, it's free. Yeah. You can go to pi, go to piepacker dot com. Don't, don't tell people that. Oh, I, well, I get paid. <laughs> it's, it's all right. Okay. Uh, you can go to piepacker dot com. <laughs> if you're just kind of curious, your witching was curious, just go. Check it out; it's for free. You can play it right in your browser. No download, nothing. Oh wow, that's cool. pretty cool website too. If you if you haven't checked it out before, they're kind of trying to be yeah. like the, the Netflix, really yeah. yeah, Netflix of retro gaming. Hmm. I need to try that out then. I haven't, I haven't actually heard that. Or like Spotify is maybe a better analogy since it's free. I see. Yeah. Okay. That's neat. Um, I don't know. Sixty bucks, and it's it's too late now because the pre-orders are gone. Uh, since we missed our window to release this episode, but uh, yeah, I mean, for this game plus the uh, you know, I'm assuming it comes with the box and a little yeah. manual and everything. I I would probably pay that for this game. Yeah, I think See, I would. Boy, there's no way. <laughs> I can say I can say it now because I can't get it right. Yeah. Or I'm going to be like, oh, I'm glad you said that. I got a couple copies sitting right here. Uh, Save no. a couple just for you too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Honestly, if you do, uh, holler at me. I mean, I might actually fix it. But uh, no, this game. Um, yeah, no, I'm all on board. The ten dollars go. I know you can pay it on play it on Packer or whatever. I guess there's ad money coming in from somewhere in there. But uh, do that. But also, if you you need to put it on your everybody needs to get this. Put it on your your emulator of choice and and play it because this game's. It's sweet. So go go to itch. Yeah, that, that's kind of go to itch and that's pay, how I look pay at the it. ten bucks. Yeah, you can use. I use. I kind of think of Pie Packer as probably a demo for a lot of people, or like people who aren't into NES games at all. Check it out there. But if yeah, if if you have an EverDrive or anything, you're gonna want the ROM. So yeah. So, so go to go to itch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, that's probably actually for you know. I don't know how much it costs to do this limited run packaging, but uh, you probably make more money off the itch.io stuff than you do the the uh, physical no, copy. I don't no, no, not even close. Oh, really? I mean, I guess per copy, maybe. Actually, no, I don't even think. Uh, well, like the limited run stuff just has such a huge audience. Yeah, that's um, true. Compared to itch, where I'm just small fish in a big pond. Yeah, that, yeah, you're probably right, but yeah, no. Limited runs where's that? That's 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 cool. I need to pay more attention to what's happening in the world. I, I'm too locked in my house, thinking thinking <laughs> of other other things. I always miss the window for all these for all these cool things. Uh, yeah. But it's probably better on my wallet that I miss it. So, yeah. Uh, but cool, yeah. Uh, I say everybody go get it. Go get your copy of this game, or yeah. uh, you can. Send us a message with uh, Matt's Game of the Year 2021, and uh, you you may actually get a copy directly from us. Um, all right, I had something else really. I had, just a second ago, I was thinking of something really interesting that I had to say, and it's totally left my brain. So, could be because it's twelve thirty at night where I'm at. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So again. Um, oh, I know. I had a really good analogy. Sorry. I'm going back up one more time. Uh, use Spotify. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking about uh, this Packer service versus uh, itch.io versus the limited run game physical copy. So if you're thinking about music, it's kind of like the Packers, like Spotify. Uh, itch is kind of like maybe buying the CD. And then the limited run games is like the vinyl, right? Everybody wants the vinyl on their shelf. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's what good. I'm, I'm glad we went back for that analogy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> really buttoned it up nicely. Totally, totally worth it, right? Yeah. Now they get it. Oh, I know. Yeah, that's right. It's the vinyl. You want? The, you, come on, you want the vinyl copy of Witch Wiz, everybody? Yeah. <laughs> All right, I think we can kind of start wrapping it up here. Um, any parting words, Matt? Um, anything you want to get off your chest? No, just uh, thanks for having me. Glad we finally got to record it. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate you checking out the game and spread the word. Yeah, it's great. Uh, gladly, I'm glad you. Uh, I'm glad you popped it into my uh, zeitgeist here because I was definitely um, slacking on on keeping up with my NES releases. And this is definitely one that's going to occupy some of my free time. So I'm, I'm glad to have it. Um, so um, yeah, let us know. I'll de- don't don't let yeah. us uh, forget about uh, your next game whenever you get it. I'm sure it's probably years away, but uh, uh, keep see. us keep it keep us in the loop. You're probably already working on it. If I had to think, if I if I know, if I think I know you. I'm actually working on a, a Game Boy port of From Below right now. Oh, oh, not, oh that's nice. That'll be, yeah. that's the perfect uh, perfect place for it. So, yeah, so like, analog pocket money. Yeah, you should have had it ready for the analog pocket I release. Know. I'm ki- I'm kicking myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm definitely eyeing that analog pocket. That looks so good. It looks so nice. Impossible to get, yeah. I'm sure. But uh, yeah, you're gonna be paying. Yeah. Oh well, it is what it is. Um. All right. Cool. Uh, well, we'll have you on again soon. I hope, Matt. You're not only are you a superb NES dev, uh, but you're a good guest. So, we'll have you on. Thank Try you. have you on again. You're soon. a good host. 
Thank you. Thank you, Justin. You're a, you're a sack of taters. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Just kidding. All right. All right. Well, y'all know where to find us. I'm not going to spin our wheels here at the end. Um, but, uh, Oh, wait, oh, you guys, oh, you guys, you almost let me forget. Rob and Ryan are going to get in so much trouble if we let this slide. Hold on, hold on. All right, this is from Rob and Ryan. Uh, If you recall on our um, Vice Project Doom episode, they had a book, Q is for Quarantine, N is for Nintendo, and they came on and we talked about that book and they were talking about how, we talked about how awesome the art was in the book and stuff. Well, anyways, uh, here's a message from those guys. Hello, listeners of Two Dudes in a Ness. This is Robert Peters. In the last episode, Mike and Justin were kind enough to have me and my buddy Ryan on to discuss Vice Project Doom and to promote our book, Q is for Quarantine, N is for Nintendo. It's a great episode, and you should definitely check it out if you haven't already. While discussing the book, which is available in both the Amazon Kindle store and as a print-on-demand, We forgot to mention one of the things that makes the book as fun as it is, which is the artwork. This is especially important for me to mention, since the artists responsible for all of the awesome pixel art are my wife, Judy Wren, and my brother-in-law, Philip Wren. They did a great job, and they're also doing a great job on the art for the soon-to-be-released sequel, V is for Vaccine, S is for Super Nintendo. Many thanks again to Mike and Justin for letting me set things right regarding the omission. It'll be nice not to have to sleep on the couch anymore. Enjoy the rest of the episode. There you go. Does uh, do either of you guys have the sinking sensation that like that was he was like held at knife point while standing? Yeah, Yeah. under duress for sure. He definitely seemed a little (laughs) under duress. But anyways, hopefully, uh, if his wife makes it to the end of this episode, which my guess is she didn't, uh, maybe she'll hear it and uh, he'll be redeemed. But there you go. So, shout out to those guys. That book's good. It's a, it's a good one. If you got, if you're like one of those type of people that has a bookshelf next to their potty, uh, then it's a, it's good. It's a good one to have. All right. Anyways, I feel better now. I didn't leave them hanging. We do have a voicemail. We'll save it for next episode. So that's it. Uh, thanks again, Matt. We'll. Uh, yep. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Talk this. to you soon, and listener. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye.